Amen. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. We're just going to read verses 34, 35, and 36. So three verses today. Matthew chapter 14, reading from verse 34, and reading, of course, from the authorized version. Let's hear the word of God. And when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him, they sent out into all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched were made perfectly whole. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of his own precious and infallible word. Now my text this morning is found in Matthew chapter 14, verses 34 to 36. And my theme today I've entitled The Triumph of the Touch of Faith. Now this portion of Holy Scripture tells us a very short story. A story that really stands as a mere snapshot of our Lord's earthly ministry. You see, this story is encompassed in three short verses in Matthew. It's also found in Mark chapter 6, three verses as well. This story occurred after the Lord Jesus had performed some very notable, memorable miracles. You've got to think of the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. You've got to think of the outstanding miracle of Christ stilling the storm in the Sea of Galilee in the middle of the night. Remember when he came to them in the boat and they were afraid and he said, It is I, be not afraid. And that was a very notable and very significant miracle. And then you think of the disciples in the boat that night, falling before him, crying out as he stilled the wind and the waves. And they said this, truly, thou art the Son of God. Now, when I looked at this short story, I realized that it would be very easy just to pass it by, to, to overlook it. Think to yourself, well, it's not that important. It's not really that instructive. And of course, that's what the commentators frequently have done. They have frequently skipped over it. Remember, as I've said, it comes after many notable miracles in the life of Christ. And each of these miracles were a wonderful display of his deity and power. And yet, the reality is, this is a very delightful story. This is a story of instruction, a story of intrigue. And I believe today it deserves serious attention. Now I want you to think of the place in which it occurs. If you look at verse 34, it says, and when they were gone over, they came into the land of Gennesaret. Now this was a return visit. Gennesaret is a tiny strip of land in the northwestern shore of the Sea of Galilee. It's just a little south of the town called Capernaum. 
Capernaum, remember, was the very epicenter of so much of Christ's earthly ministry. Gennesaret is a strip of land that's three and a half to four miles long and approximately two miles wide. And yet, it is known for being very productive and fruitful. The name actually means Garden of Riches. The Roman historian Flavius Josephus described it as a place where seasons and climate come together in such a way as to allow the precious fruit of the uh, earth to grow in abundance. So you've got to think of this place, Gennesaret, as a beautiful, delightful place. Now this very place reveals the Lord Jesus in a most delightful, wonderful way. You think of Christ now, after stilling the storm, after the disciples have said, truly thou art the Son of God, he arrives in the shores of Gennesaret. He is met with a humble farming folk. They have already heard of the Lord Jesus and his mighty works in nearby Capernaum. No doubt they've heard how he met with much rejection and much opposition there, especially from the religious leaders of the day. And yet that day, they were the ones to welcome him gladly. They expected healing of him as a result of a simple touch of faith. Did they learn that lesson from the woman in Capernaum who'd suffered from the issue of blood 12 years, who said, if I but could touch the hem of his garment? Isn't it interesting also that Gennesaret is near Magdala? And that was the home of Mary Magdalene, out of whom had Christ had cast seven demons. You see, not only was this land fruitful and productive, but glory to God, the gospel of Christ was fruitful in the hearts of the people. They knew firsthand of the goodness and the grace and the greatness of the Lord Jesus. And they knew if one were but to touch the very hem of the garment, that sufficient virtue and power would flow from Christ out to them and they would be healed. So the men of that place, they sought to bring their family and friends and carry them out to meet the Lord Jesus. And they besought him to heal them. Now, as I thought of that, I thought, well, there's a practical and a powerful lesson here, a very discernible lesson, a discernible pattern for carried off FPC. So often we've asked ourselves, how can we be used by the Lord? Now, there's a simple answer. Strive to bring other needy people to Christ. The people that the Lord has placed in your life and mine, people who don't know him as Lord and Redeemer yet, people who are not in a saving union with him, people who are not born again, people who are not genuinely saved, people who are illustrated by the sick and needy people in this story. You see, people in our lives may not look like the people in the story to all intents and purposes and outward appearance, Yet the reality is that all men are sick with sin and separated from God. And they're under the power of um, Satan and the darkness of death. And they need to be saved. 
They need a healing touch of the Lord Jesus in a spiritual sense. And how do they come in contact with that healing touch? How are they brought to Christ? And here's the answer. Through the instrument of faith. Now think of the title of the sermon. The triumph of the touch of faith. You see, the physical healing of these people through the touch of faith carries a special message that the healing of the soul also takes place through the touch of faith. There's healing for all who will touch Christ by faith. And those who touch Christ by faith, Christ-saving virtue is brought a reality into their lives. Saving virtue by the touch of faith. Now, as I thought of the story, there was two or three things came to mind. First of all, let's recognize the person of Christ. You see, the men of that place recognized him. Look at verse 35. And when the men of that place had knowledge of him. Now, we'll pause there. It was the recognition of Christ that motivated them to action. Think of this. When the Lord Jesus arrived at the shore, docked the boat, was getting out, he didn't perform any miracle immediately. There was no miracle carried out by Christ at this point. Yet the Bible says, and when the men of that place had knowledge of him, who is it? It's Jesus of Nazareth. The one that they'd heard so much about in Capernaum, maybe even in Bethsaida, the feeding of the 5,000 miracle, and Magdala, the very one who had healed the leper, gave sight to the blind, cast out demons, raised up the lame, uh, controlled the wind and the waves. Clearly, they believed these things that they had heard about him. They recognized him for who he was. Now, I'm going to do something very simply this morning, and it's this. I'm going to state the obvious. Because we need to recognize afresh who Jesus Christ is. They recognize Jesus Christ as a unique person, one who stands head and shoulders above others. Because they recognized him as the only begotten Son of God. And who is Jesus Christ? Here's the answer. He's the Son of the living and the true God. Not a son by creation. Not a son by divine appointment. Not a son by God's divine decree. You see, Jesus Christ was and is eternally the only begotten son of the everlasting father. Jesus Christ was God's son from all eternity. And because he was co-equal and coexists. And co-eternal with the Father from the beginning, Christ's eternal essence essentially necessitates then the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Do you see where I'm going with this? Jesus Christ is possessed, according to the Bible, with all the perfections of holy, eternal, essential deity. 
He is full of infinite eternal wisdom. He's full of infinite eternal love. He's full of infinite eternal grace. He's full of infinite eternal power. The Bible says of him, Colossians 2 and 9, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Here's the first thing we learn about Christ in our knowledge of him. Let's recognize who he is. He's the eternal, only begotten Son of God. He's also God manifest in the flesh. First Timothy 3.16, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. You see, eternal deity could not do what Jesus Christ did for the souls of men without the doctrine of the incarnation. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. See, the Lord Jesus took a, a true human nature, body and soul in a personal, unbreakable union with himself, two natures in one person for all eternity. We could add to that picture the Lord Jesus lived a sinless life. He kept the law of God perfectly. He perfectly obeyed the law of God. He said, I do always those things that please the Father. He did so eagerly and joyfully and gladly. He, he eagerly obeyed and kept the law of God. The Bible says of him, he did no sin. He knew no sin. In him was no sin. And of course, we'll add more to the picture. The Lord Jesus then died an atoning death on Calvary. But this man, after he'd offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down in the right hand of God. Hebrews 10 and 12. And Isaiah 53 and 5 says, But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. One complete sacrifice for sin. A perfect sacrifice that never needed to be repeated. And because of who he is, the only begotten Son of God, who became incarnate, who lived a perfect sinless life in obedience to the love of God, who died a, a substitutionary, vicarious, atoning death in the tree, because of who he is, he is able to save to the uttermost all that come unto God by him. Because of who he is, then he's able to do these wonderful miracles that he did towards men. It's by virtue of who he is. I want you to see that. Why are people not motivated to bring others to Christ? There's many reasons. But perhaps here's one. They don't sufficiently recognize Christ for who he is. You see, there's talk today of Jesus. Talk today of the man of Galilee. Talk today of Jesus of Nazareth. But if we truly recognize him to be the son of God incarnate, that in him dwells the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that we are complete in him, if we truly believe, John 3 and 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. If we have believe that there's no hope for those ravaged by sin and Satan outside of Jesus Christ, then it ought to be the burning desire of our hearts then to tell others about him and introduce them to Christ. And here's the question, a challenge in a sense. Have we got that burning passion in our hearts to tell others about him? You see, a right view of the person of Christ 
I believe is one of the most inspirational, motivational concepts that any of us could experience. Remember Paul said, 2 Corinthians 5, the love of Christ constraineth me. He recognized who the Lord Jesus is. He recognized the power that Christ has to change and transform the lives of all who trust him. Someone has rightly said the degree to which we recognize the Lord Jesus is the degree to which we'll be motivated to serve him. We are ambassadors for Christ. We're we're to share with others all about him. We're not only to consider him in our hearts and minds, but we're to talk of him in our lives and by our lips. Here's the first thing I learned about the story. They recognized the person of Christ. Notice secondly and quickly, they recognized the passion of Christ. If you look at the text, it says, verse 35, they sent out unto all that country round about and brought unto him all that were diseased. You see, the men of Gennesaret recognized as Jesus got out of the boat and stood on the shore, it's the miracle worker called Jesus of Nazareth. He has stepped onto our shore. And they told everyone, he's the one who heals. The one who heals has come to us. What were they doing? They were spreading the news. You see, these men not only had a knowledge of Christ, but these men knew that the Lord Jesus had a passion and a desire for meeting the needs of many souls. And they were excited to spread the news. You know, I never forget what happened to me as a young man after I got converted. I remember the next morning after I got converted, having trusted Christ as Lord and Savior. And my desire was to tell others. I didn't know I was supposed to tell others. But I did it naturally. I did it under the prompting of the Holy Spirit. I just wanted others to know that I had experienced the joy of God's salvation, that I had got forgiveness of sins, that that I had received Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, it's obvious this morning that there's not a person before me or a person listening to me who's not beset by a great need. I want you to think of this people in Gennesaret of their needy condition. If you look at the text, it says, and brought unto him all that were diseased. I'm going to explain the word diseased in a little moment. But I want you to think of a people with great need. And you see, there's all manner of sicknesses represented here. And he healed them. Now let me ask this. As you're listening to me, either here in person or online, what is your condition this morning? Do you need to be saved? Do you recognize that you have a soul that needs to be saved? And if you die in your sins, you'll be lost in that awful place called hell for all eternity. Are you an unconverted, unrepentant soul? Maybe you're advanced in years, and yet you're still in your sin. And your loved ones are in heaven and you want to join them someday. Well, remember, you need to repent of your sin and receive Christ. The Bible says, repent ye and be converted. Maybe you need to be restored this morning. 
Maybe you're backslidden in heart and mind. You're icy cold to the things of God. You've no time now to read the scriptures. You don't spend any time during the day at the throne of grace. You don't really want to be in the fellowship of God's people. Your lips are cold now to speak of Christ and the things of God. Is that true of you this morning? Remember the psalmist said, he restoreth my soul. Have you a soul that needs to be restored? Maybe you need help. Is your body full of pain this morning? And your future's uncertain and bleak? Maybe you need forgiveness. How many have their mind full of guilt of some past particular sin? Maybe it's a, it's a chief's sin. And you find it hard to let go. You find it hard to forgive yourself. Think of King David, Psalm 51. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercy. Blot out my transgression. You think of his transgression against Bathsheba, against the throne, against God, against his people, his lies, trying to get Bathsheba's husband drunk, and so on and so forth, and then implicit in his death and murder and his adultery. He needed forgiveness. It took 11 months for him to be restored. Maybe you need comfort. Maybe your soul is consumed with grief and pain and a sense of loss of a loved one this morning and and it's hard going and you're finding it difficult to cope as you face the future. Maybe you need wisdom and power. Maybe you're struggling in life. Maybe you're trying to cope with a divorce. Maybe you're trying to cope with financial pressures that no one knows. Maybe you're trying to cope with children and and teenagers and and it's difficult. You're thinking to yourself, well, how can I get my loved ones into the house of God? And your mind is full of fear and worry and you have stresses in your mind and it's affecting your mental health. It's affecting your physical health. There's stresses in the home. Stresses maybe even in your your mind. Stresses maybe even in a a difficult marriage. You're asking, is there anyone to help? Is there anyone can help me? Who could do anything for me? And the answer is yes, there's one. And I can hear these men saying, send out the word. Jesus Christ is here. He is passing this way once again. Send the word. Think of how available he is. Think of how accessible he is. Think of how amenable he is. See, I want you to think of this. Think of a needy person in your life. And here's a wonderful promise. Romans 10 and 13, whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. The question is asked, how shall they hear without a preacher? And of course, we need preachers of the gospel. But not only do we need preachers of the gospel in the pulpit, remember the preacher is you and me. Every true believer, he has given us a message if we're born of the Spirit and led of the Spirit, then listen to the word of God in the book of Jeremiah, in Jer- sorry, in Isaiah chapter 61. He says this, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion 
to give unto them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. See, the Lord Jesus heals the broken in heart. Do you believe that this morning? The Lord Jesus can come into broken homes, homes that are broken by the power of sin and Satan. The Lord Jesus can heal that fractured family. He can heal that miserable marriage that maybe exists in name only. He has those who are suffering the misery of sin and Satan and he can come to them and change and transform them and make them new creatures and give them a new start. He's the one that can heal the body. He's also the one who can heal the mind. He's the one who can save the soul. And you know what? He can reach you today exactly where you are. He, he has come to where you are. He has placed himself where souls can reach him. That's what he was doing in Gennesaret. He's not a remote, out-of-the-way saviour. Gennesaret was not really a remote, out-of-the-way place. It was a place where people wanted to be, a pleasant, fertile place. And he put himself in the path of needy souls, and he did it out of grace and love, because he has a love and a passion for the individual. Can you think of him getting out of the boat, and the crowds then starting to swarm around him? Somebody saying, help me, Lord. Somebody saying, let me but touch the hem of the garment. Did he reject any? Did he refuse any? The, the answer is no. He didn't ever say, I, I don't like you. I don't like the look of you. No, he's willing and able to save any who wanted to be saved. All they had to do was touch. All they had to do was cry out. You see, whatever your need is today, the Lord Jesus is sufficient and all-powerful to meet that need. You have to bring your need to him. You have to address him. You have to call on him. And if you call he will answer. Because that's the teaching of the scriptures. Whosoever shall call in the name of the Lord shall be saved. Everyone who calls will be saved. Oh, that we could get this message out in Northern Ireland. That Jesus Christ is the answer to man's need. And he's the end of man's quest. Whatever that quest is. Recognize the passion of Christ. Do something else quickly. Recognize the power. Of Christ. Remember I said, if you go back to verse 35, brought unto him all that were diseased. The, the word diseased there is a translation of a Greek phrase that means having it bad. Are you having it bad today? Listening to me? It means wretched. Men brought all who were diseased. You know what that means? These men were concerned for others. You could think of them running to their homes among their family and friends, their loved ones, needy souls, and they're bringing them out into the uh, streets to meet Jesus. Not only were they concerned here, but there, were, there was individuals carried here. You think of those who were on stretchers, who couldn't walk. You think of those who were lame and needed help. You think of those who were blind. And, and whether it was a distance, no matter how difficult it was, no matter how hard a work it was, that's what they did. 
They not only were concerned and carried souls to Christ, but they called on Christ. Look at the text. It says, and brought unto him all that were diseased and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. See, they were pleading with him on behalf of others. They were offering prayer. The word besought means they were begging him. Lord, these people are in need. Lord, just let these people touch the very hem of your garment. They're, they're not worthy to touch your hand or your body or, or your leg. Lord, they're unclean souls. But if they could but touch the hem of that garment. And of course, they learned it from the women in Capernaum nearby. Matthew 9, verses 20 to 22. And these people, I believe, were not only concerned and carried and called in Christ, but they were comforted that they were putting souls within reach of the Savior. Is not what they said, and besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment. In other words, all these sick ones, these ones with these diseases were put within reach of Christ, brought to where he is and where he was. And if we were doing a study this morning of those who brought individuals to the Lord Jesus for his healing touch, there's many individuals revealed to us in the Gospel of Matthew. But here's the point. People brought others to Christ because these others couldn't get there on their own. And here's a display of the tremendous acts of love and kindness and mercy Time and effort was put into it. And they were placed beside Christ. Here's people in need. And they're broken. And you think of the needy souls in our community and country who are broken by the ravages of sin and they don't know where to turn. And they're dead to that sin and they're blind to the bond and bind that Satan has. And they've tried the world's remedies and they haven't cured or comforted their soul because the world's remedies don't deal with sin. They, they don't give them what they need. These people had it bad. That's what the word disease means. Wretched conditions. And yet someone in love took them and had a concern that they might be carried to Christ, called in Christ in their behalf, and were comforted they were putting them within reach of the Lord Jesus. They recognized not only the purpose of Christ, but they recognized the power of Christ. Notice what it says in the end there, if you look at the text. And they besought him that they might only touch the hem of his garment, and as many are touched were made whole. You see, this was a, a saving virtue by the touch of faith. At the touch of faith, Christ releases the fullness of life and power. These people didn't deserve it. They hadn't worked for it. They hadn't paid for it. They had contact with Christ. And through the touch of faith, Christ freely and voluntarily and gladly and graciously, the Bible tells us, and as many as touched were made perfectly whole. You think as we close this morning that this was a personal touch. I'm sure the men of Gennesaret told the individuals who were having it hard, 
If you want to be healed, then you must touch Christ. And you must touch him yourself. We can't touch Christ for you. People who were sick had to reach out and trust and touch Christ themselves. Remember, in Luke 18, we read about the story of a man who cried out, God, be merciful to me, the sinner. And that sinner was justified. Can you hear the people calling out, Lord, help me? Lord, heal me. Lord, save me. Let me tell you this story. You've heard of Augustine of Hippo, great, one of the early church fathers in the fourth century. And his mother prayed for him for a long time to be saved. And the time that he come to Christ, he heard children playing, take the book and read, take the book and read. And he was reading from Romans chapter 14. But as he knelt down, he said this, Lord, save me from my sin, but I don't want to be saved yet. And then he prayed again, Lord, save me from all my sins, except this sin. And then over time, as he waited before the Lord, he cried again, Lord, save me from all my sins. It was only when he was broken and truly penitent that he arose from his knees and was gloriously saved. That's what we call the personal touch of faith. But it was also a particular touch. If you look at the text, what does it tell us they touched? That they might only touch the hem of his garment. Now, you're familiar, if you know anything about dressmaking, that the hem of the garment is the last thing to be stitched up by the seamstress. Seamstress makes a dress, and she pins it all together, and she might even let you model it for a little time just to see if it will fit. And, of course, you wouldn't go out on to the streets, to the shops with such a dress on. You would wait until it was the finished article. And it only becomes the finished article when she sews up the hem. And you see, that's very interesting because it points to Christ and his finished work on the cross. And do you know what color the hem of the garment was? It was the ribbon of blue. If you turn over there to the book of Numbers, Numbers 15, it says this in verse 38, Speak unto the children of Israel and bind them that they make them fringes in the border of their garments throughout their generations and that they put upon the fringe of the borders a ribbon of blue. And it shall be unto you for a fringe that you may look upon it, and remember all the commandments of the Lord, and do them, and that ye seek not after your own heart, and your own eyes, after which ye used to go a-whoring. The color blue speaks of heaven. And of course God's commands, remember, are heavenly in origin, and the children of Israel were to remember that they were a heavenly people bound for heaven. God gave them laws from heaven to govern their life on earth. And it was to uh, deliver them uh, from uh, a fleshly lifestyle uh, through faith in Christ. And this deliverance was appropriated through faith. That's, that's the point. Uh, how can you be saved? Personally, you must come to the Lord Jesus. Remember the question, what must I do to be saved? The individual had to come to Christ themselves. Christ was born for sinners. Christ lived for sinners. Christ died for sinners. Christ rose again for sinners. It's not the church that saves. 
good as the church is. It's not your good works that saves, important as they are. They're, they're not the ground, they're only the evidence. It's not the law of God that saves, it's the Lord of glory. It's not baptism, important as that sacrament is. It's not confirmation. Why did the Lord Jesus Christ come into the world? Because the way of the cross was to lead home, to lead to heaven. Notice that they didn't touch Peter or any of the disciples. Notice there was no indication, well, you need to touch my mother, who's called Mary. It had to be Christ. This was a particular touch, the hem of the garment, because the blue stood for heaven. This was a powerful touch. No matter what was wrong with the people, they were healed instantly, in a moment. And you can be saved in a moment. I've already made reference to the man in the temple. God be merciful to me, the sinner. He went home justified, the dying thief. Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Today shall thou be with me in paradise. No half measures. You can have a new life and a new start in Christ through the touch of faith. But this was a passing touch. This was a day of opportunity. This was Christ in a return visit to Gennesaret the first time he came. The men of the Gadarenes chased him, rejected him, told him to clear off. And now he's returned to, to, to the, the southern end of this, to, to Gennesaret itself. These people were being urged, don't miss the opportunity. This was also a prompt touch. That day. And you know Christ is awaiting you to come to him. Through the principle of faith. The Bible tells have faith in God. Forsaking all I take him or, or I trust him. Remember the Bible says in Revelation 3 and 20. Behold I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door. I will come into him and sup with him and he with me. I told you before about the wee fellow at the art gallery looking at um, Hunt's great picture of Christ, the light of the world, standing outside the door with the lamp. And the wee fellow was with the daddy and looked at the daddy and said, Daddy, there's a problem with the painting. The artist has missed something. What did he miss, son? He's missed the handle. Christ can't open the door. And the daddy said, no, he hasn't missed the handle, son. The handle's on the inside. The people in the inside have to open the door for Christ, the light of the world. That's where faith comes in. Maybe you've put this off for years. You're a needy soul and regardless of what your need is, Christ is available. Maybe you're even 80 years age and over. And you have loved ones in the glory and you want to meet them again. And what would Christ say to you? He would say this. Come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as well. He doesn't ask for money. He doesn't ask for payment. He wants you to just come today. Now is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. Here's the power of Christ. Saving virtue by the touch of faith. What sort of touch is it? It's a personal, particular, powerful, passing, prompt touch. So I just want to ask you. Have you laid hold of Christ by faith? Has Christ met your need? Only you can answer. Whatever that need is, go to Christ. He'll meet your need. If I can be of any help to anyone, please contact me. Please talk to me. And I'll do my best to assist you further.